Welcome to Season 2 of History, Books, and Wine. We're your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey and Eliza Knight. We love sharing, so pour a glass of vino, and let's dive into the past. Welcome to History, Books, and Wine. We're your hosts, Eliza Knight and Lori Ann Bailey. On this episode, we're going to learn the history behind Father Christmas. But first, what are we drinking? So we've got exciting, uh, fun stuff today. Eliza and I both got the Advent wine calendar from Costco. Mm -hmm. And we poked into day six a little bit early because today, uh, this episode is going to air on the 6th of December. And what we found is this lovely little bottle of red wine called divine pondering yes it's a pinot noir from north macedonia and i'm really looking forward to it it has a a qr code on the back so i scanned that earlier just to look and see what would come up and a little video comes up about the wine and the region oh that's so cool and it also had some fun pairings on there one of them was turkey and uh stuffing oh cool like like what you would have for Thanksgiving. Yeah. So too bad we don't have leftovers, but <laughs> <laughs> they would actually probably be pretty gross by now. Yeah. But it also goes with like eggplant Parmesan, which is one of my husband's oh, yeah. favorite foods. So next time I make that for him, I'm going to have to see if I can find this somewhere else. And I think it's going to be a lovely little bottle of red. We're going to enjoy together. Heck yeah, we are. Um, the QR code thing is super cool. I love that they did that. Mm-hmm. So obviously I'm sharing that. <laughs> Let's get into the history of jolly old Saint Nick. I'm really excited about this. I I can't wait. I love this. I went into uh, Michael's a couple nights ago, and it's decorated for Christmas Aww. like crazy. And just walking in the store, I was so happy just to see all the decorations. It is such a wonderful time of year. Yeah. Yeah. And the smell, like I love like the cinnamon smell. <laughs> Oh, when you go in the grocery store now, yes. they have all the, the pine yep. cones in the front with the scent. Yep. So, best time of the year. Best time <laughs> of the year. So the original St. Nicholas was born during the third century in the town of Patara, which was on the southern coast of Turkey. And it, uh, it was an area that used to be Greek. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Nicholas had wealthy parents who raised him to be a devout Christian. But they both died in an epidemic while Nicholas was still young. Mm. After their death, Nicholas followed their teaching and faith and truly lived by Jesus's words, sell what you own and give the money to the poor. He dedicated his life to God and made it his mission to assist the needy, the sick and the suffering. He used his whole inheritance to do this. Wow. Mm. He became known for his love of children and his concern for sailors and ships. And uh, this is probably because he lived in coastal areas his whole life. And I think that's why he had, you know, his affinity toward the sea. His generosity and faith led him to being made the fourth bishop of Mira while he was still young. Wow. And I read in one place, yeah, that uh, he was like in his 30s. And because of that, he was nicknamed the boy bishop. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) But stories of his generosity spread, and it's said that on three separate occasions, there were poor men who didn't have enough money to pay their daughter's dowries. 
so that they could be wed, which meant that the girls were going to eventually be possibly sold into slavery. Oh, it's horrible. And I had no idea that was a thing. I didn't either. Wow. Like indentured servant type thing. Mm-hmm. But bags of gold were somehow tossed into these men's homes and possibly landed in their shoes, which were laid out to dry in front of their fireplaces. Oh. And that is what is said to have uh, been the precursor to stockings on the chimney, you know, the custom to hang them up. And it apparently became a tradition to hang up the stockings in hopes of gaining three gold balls. And I'm (laughs) not quite sure why balls. I didn't figure that out. But uh, the balls instead of gold. And sometimes when you see images of St. Nicholas, there will be three orange balls above him that represent... Oh, yeah. I have seen that. Yeah, they represent the gold balls or um, sometimes oranges represent that, I guess, because they're just similar. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas is known as the patron saint and protector of children. And there's this story that there were three children that got lost in the forest once. And they had apparently been lured away and killed by an evil butcher. Oh, gosh. Yeah, crazy. But that St. Nicholas appealed to God for their return to life, and somehow, miraculously, they came back. Wow. Yeah, Thank there's goodness, because that sounds yeah, really horrible. <laughs> it does sound horrible. And, and like something for our other podcast. I was going to say, that's like a crime feast type thing. <laughs> <laughs> but there, uh, I don't have this one in my notes, but there was also a story about three young men that were missing from an inn and he somehow persuaded God to bring them back to life. I don't remember what something awful had happened to them as well. So there were several stories in that interesting in that vein. Yep. But he is also the patron saint of sailors. And we mentioned earlier how he lived by the sea. He's the uh, patron saint of Russia and of Greece. Oh, wow. Nicholas was imprisoned by Roman emperor, Diocletian, who persecuted Christians, but he was released after seven years. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. He returned to Mira and he died on December 6th, AD 343. How old was he? Is that math? (laughs) Was he still young or was he old? (laughs) That is math. (laughs) And I don't know. I'll put it in our show notes. I'll go back and I may have my husband do the math so that we can figure it out. Yeah, the AD always gets confusing. <laughs> yeah. But I do know most of the images of him have a beard and, you know, he's kind of oh, yeah. gray. So he was so probably older. He was probably older, but I will confirm that and put it in our show notes. <laughs> <laughs> After some time, uh, a watery substance accumulated on Ew. the tomb. He had been resting and I'm guessing that was just some kind of condensation. Okay, let's go with that. I'm going to go with that, but it was considered to be a sign and a holy relic, and the liquid was referred to as manna, and it was said to contain healing powers. I've actually heard the term mana from heaven. I think mana, mana, mana has been around a long time and comes in other forms too. And I don't even know, I don't play video games, so I can't tell you what video game this is. But there is a video game where if they get mana or mana, whatever it is, it gives them, like, life. Oh, yeah. It probably comes from <laughs> from this. Yes. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, after that uh, mana was discovered on his tomb, the anniversary of his death became a celebration. And that's where St. Nicholas Day came from. Oh, wow. 
Stories of Nicholas faded during the Protestant Reformation of the 16th century, but his memory Sad. was kept alive in Holland, where he became known as Sinterklaas. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yes. <laughs> he would show up on his feast day on horseback, dressed in bishop's red robes with Zwerte Piet, who was a freed slave. Mm-hmm. And I'm you know I butcher names, so that's probably wrong. <laughs> I think you did a great job. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but together they were they would distribute sweets and presents to good children, and coal, potatoes, and switches to the bad oh, kids. Oh, switches! Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and the Dutch took this tradition to the U.S. and it eventually led to the Santa Claus that we know today. Oh wow! I like yeah. that story. It was fun researching this. Mm-hmm. Hey, history lovers, Eliza here. We're interrupting today's happy hour to let you know that Lori and I host another fascinating podcast with our friend, Brenna Ash. Hey there, this is Brenna. Crime Feast is a true crime podcast hosted by three friends who are obsessed with all things crime. Each week, join Brenna, Eliza, and I as we serve up a platter of murders, mayhem, missing persons, tragedies, and more. Feast on notorious tales ripped from today's headlines and resurrected from the past. Until then, stay safe out there. We don't want you on the menu next. Now, back to the show. Cheers! I have some fun facts that I learned along the way. Yay, we love fun facts. Yes. Uh, The first one that I found very interesting was... The poem that we all recognize as "Twas the Night Before Christmas" is actually called "An Account of a Visit from Saint Nicholas." Oh, and it was published in Troy, New York, on December twenty third, eighteen twenty three. When it was first published, the author, whose name was Clement Clark Moore, chose to remain anonymous because he had a reputation to uphold as a scholarly professor. So I guess he didn't want to be seen seen as writing something that wasn't serious. Yeah. Um, That's probably why he called it an account. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds very serious to me. (laughs) It does. And and it could also sound a little scary. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think uh, in his poem there are any of the evil people that hang out with with Santa Claus, which we will talk about in a moment. (laughs) (laughs) It's said that he wrote it on a snowy day on a sleigh ride while he was out shopping and that he wrote it for his children. Which is very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Moore is credited with envisioning the St. Nicholas that we typically think of as Santa Claus today. He did this by combining elements of the historic St. Nicholas with Mm -hmm. a Dutch handyman from his town (laughs) as he was like walking past his neighbor he was like hey joe just want to let you know you totally inspired the story i wrote on the account of a visit (laughs) yeah you know it's a shame we don't know who this dutch handyman was because he's like an inspiration for real we want to (laughs) see yeah we want to see what the real uh dutch handyman santa claus looks like (laughs) two years earlier in new york A children's poem called Old Santa Claus, with much delight, was published, and it's thought to have been Moore's inspiration. Oh, wow. 
The poem was the first to have illustrations of Santa in a sleigh guided by reindeer, and it's the first mention of Santa Claus visiting on Christmas Eve. Hmm. Yeah, because, you know, before that, everybody had Santa come visit on um, the feast day, which is today, December 6th. This poem was also published anonymously, and it has remained that way, so we never know who wrote that one. That stinks. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have known who wrote that. Do I you know. think there's any possibility that it was Moore who wrote it? I don't think so, because it, it he made it kind of a point later on to come out about writing the Twas the Night Before Christmas oh, poem. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and he there was like this whole to-do about whether or not he really wrote it. And the publishers came out and said, yes, it was him. And, you know, he had people that backed him up. Because yeah. I guess it, you know, it took off and became so popular. You know... Funny side note about the Twas the Night Before Christmas story. My dad has read it to me every year of my life, like literally still now. He calls me every Aww. Christmas Eve and reads the story. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Another really side cool. note on that. So while I was at Michael's last night, or two nights ago, whenever it was, yeah. they had a pillow that had the poem Aww. on it, and it had jingle bells on the side, oh, and I picked so it up, cute. and I shook it, yeah. and I hugged it. I'm like, I really want this pillow, you have but to it go wasn't get on it. sale. Go get so. it. Um, maybe it'll be on sale, like, the week before. Yeah, I know. Like, even after you know, after doing my research, I'm like, oh, I kind of connect to you, little poem now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> some countries have Santa working alongside some really malevolent characters. Ooh. And here's where my pronunciation skills are going to fail me again. <laughs> in France, Père Fautard is said... <laughs> That's probably totally wrong. Is said to whip naughty children or give them coal. Oh my goodness. And in Germany, there is Necht Ruprecht. I think that's right. <laughs> it's close enough. Who threatens to thrash or abduct oh my gosh. children. Yeah. You've been bad. You are now going to be an abduction yes. victim. Oh my goodness. And then there is also Krampus, who is I've common in many yes. Central European cultures. He looks like a dark, hairy, cloven-footed creature and has fangs and a long, pointed oh. tongue that rolls out. Yes. So it sounds really creepy. Yeah, it and is. I, I think some places even have festivals around him, but I didn't look that up for this. There's one. a movie. I haven't seen it yet because it looks terrifying, but it is about Krampus. I, I would not want to be a child that sees that guy crawl through my window or my chimney or whatever. Yeah, I know. I remember a movie coming out like that. Maybe... Maybe someday we'll be brave enough to watch it. (laughs) Hello, listeners. This is Lori, and I'm here to tell you that podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. We use Buzzsprout, and it's hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories within minutes of finishing your recording. You'll get a great-looking podcast website, detailed analytics, and more. Following the link in our show notes, let's Buzzsprout know that we sent you. Get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and help support our show. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. 
The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. The first time I used Instacart was with my sister. We were baking cookies and I'd forgotten the butter. Instacart to the rescue. Now I even use it when we're on vacation so our staples are delivered right to our door. Save yourself that trip to the market. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. They connect you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores. Follow the link in our show notes and that lets Instacart know we sent you and help support our show. Plus, you'll get free delivery on your first order over $35. There's multiple stores available in most areas. Shop all your favorites on a single order. The products you love from local stores. Hand selected by shoppers based on your preferences. Delivery to your door in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. Find everything you usually buy and get smart suggestions for new items. They pick the freshest produce and keep your eggs safe too. Let Instacart shop for you. In some of the northern parts of Europe, St. Nicholas Day is still widely observed. Even though in the U.S. Christmas Eve is the day that Santa Claus visits, mm-hmm. other countries also celebrate in their own ways. Yeah. I found this amazing blog by a guy named Neil Gold with um, some really cool examples. And I've got to share some okay. because they were just too fun. Yeah, definitely. Germany is responsible for the origin of Christmas trees. The tree is typically brought into the house on Christmas Eve and is secretly decorated by the mother of the family for the young children. Germans also exchange gifts on Christmas Eve rather than on Christmas Day. Yeah. And this one kind of struck a note with me because the mother secretly decorates the Christmas tree. Yeah. I feel like I'm the one that always decorates the Christmas tree. You know, you watch these movies where everybody's so happy decorating the tree together. I try (laughs) so hard to get people together and everybody complains and I end up just being happier doing it myself. They'll come and do like a couple and then they're like done. And I'm like, you're done. And they're like, yeah, we don't want to do anymore. So then I do the rest myself. (laughs) And what was the other thing you just said? You struck the note. With oh, the, they, they exchanged oh, yeah. uh, gifts on Christmas Eve. Yeah. I always give everyone a new pair of pajamas on Christmas Eve. Oh, that's awesome. And wrap it up and hand it out. And the funny thing is like, I've done that every year since they were born. And they're always like, aren't you going to open yours? And I'm like, I'm the one who gave you guys. <laughs> I'm not going to wrap the gift for myself. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should. So the women, well, it's not no longer just the women in my family, but my family also has a Christmas Eve tradition. And I don't know if my grandmother started it, but it's it's really kind of cute. It's on Christmas Eve. The first person that wakes up Christmas Eve morning Mm -hmm. says Christmas Eve gift and they get to open one of their presents early. So it was, you know, always me and my mom and my grandma seeing who was going to say it first. I love that. When I was pregnant with my first child, I purposely was letting my mom say it first. And I had bought a little stork from Michael's, I think, again. And I had painted on it, you know, coming soon or something. And I wrapped it in a little box. And as soon as she said Christmas Eve gift, I handed it to her. And she opened it up and she's like, are you kidding? (laughs) That's, I literally just got goosebumps. I love that story so much. That's so cute. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Christmas Eve is the best. I love it too. I really do. Uh, And Christmas Eve in Poland is the most important day over the festive period. As this is when the main festive meal is consumed. 
Traditionally, families do not eat until the first star has appeared in the sky. Oh. Then 12 dishes are served. Wow. Yeah, Catholics say the dishes represent Jesus' 12 disciples, and some believe consuming them will provide you with luck for the next 12 months. I like that. That's a great tradition. Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, another little one on Russia. Russia celebrates Christmas on January 7th. That's from the blog. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, In um, Russia, New Year's Eve tends to be more important time of the year, as this is when Grandfather Frost gives presents to the children. And then in Japan, Christmas is not celebrated as a religious holiday. Uh, It's instead seen as a time to spread happiness. A lot of traditions have been taken from the West, as Christmas is a new concept uh, to the Japanese. This, This was the fun part. Fried chicken is the most popular meal <laughs> on Christmas Day. So restaurants like KFC take orders in advance. Wow. That's I know, funny. that's crazy. That is it's funny. Kinda, it's kind of like here, you know, a lot of Jewish people have Chinese yes. food on Christmas Day. So I guess the Japanese have fried chicken yeah. on Christmas Day. That's so funny. In Norway, presents are not only delivered by Santa Claus, but also his small gnomes, <laughs> known as... <laughs> niece it's either niece or niece i don't know but i just thought that was really funny that they had little gnomes yeah norway is also known for gifting huge christmas tree to the uk every year oh, wow. which is placed in trafalgar square it is a thank you present to the uk for its help during world war ii that's really great i love that and um there's many more countries in this blog but i'm just going to do one more Christmas isn't a big deal in China, but sometimes people will choose to give apples on Christmas Eve, oh. which is called Pienggi, which is means peaceful evening. Oh, I love that. I do too. And those are all my fun facts. When I was growing up in my Christmas stocking, there was always a piece of fruit. Santa put yeah, an fruit orange, in my stocking. Pomegranate, something <laughs> like that. So we are writers, but we are also really great readers and love our books so what are you reading Lori? you will never guess what i'm reading i'm never gonna guess it (laughs) it's called hester what that's so weird it's like we're reading the same thing (laughs) yeah all right so a little bit about the book hester who is the real hester prynne Isabel Gamble is a young seamstress carrying generations of secrets when she sets sail from Scotland in the early 1800s with her husband, Edward. An apothecary who has fallen under the spell of opium, his pile of debts have forced them to flee Edinburgh for a fresh start in the New World. But only days after they've arrived in Salem, Edward abruptly joins a departing ship as a medic leaving Isabel penniless and alone in a strange country, forced to make her way by any means possible. When she meets a young Nathaniel Hawthorne, the two are instantly drawn to each other. He is a man haunted by his ancestors, who sent innocent women to the gallows, while she is an unusually gifted needleworker, troubled by her own strange talents. As the weeks pass and Edward's safe return grows increasingly unlikely, Nathaniel and Isabel grow closer and closer. Together, they are a muse and a dark storyteller, Mm -hmm. the enchanter and the enchanted. 
but which is which. Ooh. So doesn't that sound great? It does sound great. Have you started it yet? I actually have not. It's been sitting next to me on my desk over here. And I just haven't had a chance yet. I've been reading an arc um, for review that I have to finish up. And I didn't realize till you texted. I think it was you that texted last week and was like, hey, we're supposed to talk about this next week. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm running late. Yeah, I have not started it yet either, but I do have it queued up to listen to next on my phone. Yay. I've got to finish my neighborhood book club book by by Wednesday. <laughs> so as soon as that's done, I'm going to start Hester. Then you got this. Mm-hmm. So why don't you share with our listeners one of your own books? Today, I'm going to talk about Highland Redemption. And while it does not have any Christmas themes, because technically Christmas was not celebrated mm-hmm. in Scotland in the 17th century, my hero and my heroine do get snowed Ooh. in. So I thought, you know, that was kind of appropriate. It is. And I love a good snowed in story. While spying for Clan Cameron, Brody Cameron rescues a lass, only to realize it's Skye, the woman who'd broken his heart. He needs to get her to her uncle as quickly as possible to keep her safe. But every minute he's distracted from his mission brings the clans that much closer to war. And having beautiful sky anywhere near him is dangerous because the price on his head is higher than the one on hers. Upon being rescued from kidnappers, Sky finds herself staring into the eyes of the man she once loved, Brody Cameron. She's grateful to be freed, but has no idea how she'll resist the lad who has become a bra man, Mm. especially because she's promised to another in a political marriage forged to strengthen the royalist clans against the Covenanters who plot to turn Scotland upside down. Ooh, I've read that one and I, I really loved it. So oh, readers, definitely you. add that one to your TBR file. Well, thank you. You're welcome. We hope you enjoyed today's episode on St. Nicholas. Coming up, we have our besties and guest authors, Madeline Martin and Brenna Ash. And Eliza will tell us how people stayed warm in the olden days and didn't die from the cold. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thanks, everybody. Great job. (laughs) For more information about today's episode, click on the show notes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HistoryBKSWine for additional historical tidbits and updates. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out our episodes published weekly on Tuesdays. Until next time. Cheers. And happy reading. Cheers.